Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word. Jason Jimenez here. I'm so glad you tune into another podcast, going through the Bible with me. You know, I count it a joy uh, to record these podcasts, to sit, open God's Word, study His Word, and really try to bring out as much as I can. With Again, we've got limited time. I'm trying to get just enough of the Bible uh, in, in, in you as I possibly can. And so I always encourage you, you know, if I don't touch on something, please drop me an email, info at standstrongministries.org. Love to interact with you, answer any questions, or if you have a particular passage of scripture that you've been struggling with, drop me an email, ask your questions. We'd love here on Stand Strong in the Word to address some of those, not just back to you in email, but also maybe um, present them in some of the podcasts in the future. On today's podcast, I'm pretty excited because we're going to be looking at this introduction to the Gospel of Luke and, and some very fascinating words that is used by Luke, not just explaining uh, a little bit of the purpose of why he wrote this Gospel account of the life, obviously, and teachings of Jesus Christ, but whom he wrote it to, uh, and just the context of the Gospel of Luke, and not just his time of writing, but the impact it certainly has had to the rest of the Bible. Because Luke, what we know of, is he just doesn't give the Gospel account here uh, in the book of Luke, but he also writes a second, uh, like a part two, if you will, in the book of Acts to the early church. So he gets into the life and teachings of Jesus Christ as his birth, of course, that's one thing that's fascinating about the, the Gospel of Luke is the details that Luke provides that you don't necessarily get in the other synoptic Gospels of Mark and, of course, of Matthew. The cool thing about Luke, real quickly, before we start looking into into the life and story of, of Luke himself, that when you look at Luke, it's the most comprehensive of all four Gospels, hands down. The cool thing also is that Luke takes a universal message, if you will. He has this universal message to the world. Uh, Luke, as we're going to see is a Gentile. He's not a Jew. He was one that came on scene, got saved, and was able to interact and engage and do ministry with some of the greatest Christians and minds of his day. Another thing that I've always find very fascinating with the Gospel of Luke is how beautiful uh, the description of the Gospel is with the interactions that Jesus has with various different people. Now, having said that, let's put things in proper perspective because, as you know, Stand Strong in the Word, what I'm doing is I'm taking a chronological order to the Bible. So we're starting our podcast uh, out with going through the Gospels. And so what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be jumping around uh, between the four different Gospels, uh, but piecing together as best as I know in the historical context of what most New Testament scholars believe occurred when they occurred, trying to put the timetable as closely and as accurate as I possibly can. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're trying to, uh, attempting to do. So today, we're going to be focusing on, after we talked about last week, the genealogies, today we're going to be focusing on this introduction to the, to the Gospel of Luke because <clears throat> the cool thing about Luke is I believe in the historical context that Luke comes out after 
uh, Mark was already circulating, and indeed Matthew, not probably as big uh, in the gospel um, acceptance, but certainly circulating out there among the believers. And Luke, at this stage and time when he was writing, I believe was very, very aware of these things. So I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on something that Dr. Charles Ryrie said in his study Bible that puts things in context of the dating. He says since the conclusion of Acts shows Paul in Rome, and since the and since the Gospel of Luke was written before Acts Acts one one, Luke's Gospel was probably written about eighty sixty, possibly in Caesarea during Paul during Paul's uh, two year imprisonment there that we are told in Acts twenty four. 27. Now, in a few podcasts ago, when we were talking about giving kind of an introduction to the gospel accounts, there was a portion there that I kind of gave you some brief dating. Uh, I believe Mark was the first, roughly around 8050. Uh, shortly afterwards, Matthew started to write his account. And then I believe when Matthew was either wrapping up his uh, account of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, or shortly after finishing it and began to be circulated in the early church, Luke was giving his account um, of, and and then shortly after that, he began to write the Book of Acts. There is a lot of dating out there that has Luke in the 80s after the destruction of the temple in 8070. I don't hold to that because I do believe, as Charles Ryrie and many other very reputable scholarly uh, New Testament individuals, uh, putting this in context when it's a two-parter. You have Luke part one and the book of Acts part two, and where we uh, Luke, for whatever reason, just abruptly ends in the book of Acts with Paul waiting for his trial there, uh, his two-year imprisonment there, and that's it. And and we believe that his, under Nero, the beheading of, of Paul probably occurred anywhere from 8063 to 8067-68. And so having said that, Acts comes after Luke, and there's no mentioning of the death of Paul, and Luke came first, so I put Luke in, the, in probably early to mid-60s. So that's kind of the context there. So let's look at who this individual Luke was. Uh, we're told throughout Scripture that Luke clearly was a companion of Paul. In Acts 16, verse 10, it says, And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he uh, we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, setting sail from Troas, verse 11, we made a direct voyage uh, to Sumathras in the following day to Neapolis. So here you see Luke is saying us is referring to him. He's the writer with Paul, traveling with Paul. And 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11 says, Luke alone is with me. Get John Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful for me for the ministry. This Mark that's referenced here, you may be asking yourself, is this the one that wrote the Gospel of Mark? Yes. So they were companions together. Uh, that's very fascinating. We're going to be touching that and touching on that a little in, in a minute. Also in Philemon verse 24 it says, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. So clearly Luke was a companion of Paul who also had many interactions with people who were uh, counterparts or, or companions of Paul himself. Now, Paul called uh, Luke also 
an interesting word, and was and many of us know this. He was known as the beloved physician. In Colossians four verse fourteen, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. There's Demas again mentioning from Second Timothy four eleven. So here's what's cool about, um, or excuse me, Philemon one twenty four. So here's what's cool about. Uh, Luke and many when you trace the writings of Paul we knew Paul that had a lot of infirmities he had a lot of trials he was shipwrecked there's a lot of accounts that he gives in 2 Corinthians about the problems that he faced in, in Galatians he mentions the weakness of his eyes um, the torment the the slashings the abuse that he undertook the 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 stoning that he underwent um, and so there was a need for Paul in his travels to have someone like Luke, who was the, as he says, the beloved physician who cared for him. Now, because Luke was a doctor, he was a man of science. He was a man of research. And this is reflected in the history that Luke so brilliantly articulates and lays out about the life of Jesus Christ. No other gospel does that. And the reason why I put Luke 1, 1 through 4 now as we looked at the genealogies and now looking at the Gospels as we're going to get into the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, next next podcast will be talking about the birth uh, of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus Christ. But this is important because Luke already had biographies being circulated. And he says here right off the bat in Luke chapter 1 verse 1, he says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken... That literally means to compile or to organize in a series, a narrative. What he means by this is, this is a cool word in Greek. He says that we're undertaking to put this, to compile this narrative. It, it carries the idea of this, of, of a, str- a struggling, just a, an intense effort to solve the origins of these stories. What, and these stories having to do with Jesus. He says, so many people have undertaken this narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us. He's referring again to Jesus Christ and his teachings and his his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection. And he says in verse 2, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses, meaning visibly had seen and bear true to what they have seen. These eyewitnesses and these ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It says, and it seemed good to me also having followed all these things closely, which means carefully, okay, and for some time past to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty. This word certainty carries the idea of having the knowledge of the facts. He says, so Luke Luke is telling Theophilus, I want you to have certainty when you read what I have provided for you. I want you to have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So that's important. Now, as I mentioned before, as we're going to start dissecting these first four verses, because I want us to understand as Christians that these gospel accounts were preserved. These were eyewitnesses. Every single writer that wrote about the life and teachings of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are credible eyewitnesses to the things that occurred with Jesus Christ. And in other podcasts I talked about when I, when I dealt with the introduction to the gospel, so if you haven't heard that one, you can go back to it. I gave an argument of the reliability of people like John, Mark, and now in this case, Luke, because they were not direct disciples of Jesus Christ while he lived and breathed in this world. Matter of fact, Luke was not a Jew. 
He was a Gentile. If you go back to Colossians chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, and also in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, we see here that that um, Luke was not a a a, a circum of the circumcision. He was not mentioned in that order with these individuals. When the, there's a list of, of companions that are mentioned, people like, again, uh, Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, he talks about in Jesus who was called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. And they have been a comfort to me. Then he talks about Epaphras in verse 12. But then he jumps to verse 14 again. And he says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. Uh, Paul never puts him in the category of being with the other Jews. We never read, nor do we ever see, any mentioning of Luke as being part of the circumcision. So that gives us some insight in the fact that Luke, and plus Luke's approach to his gospel is different to that of Matthew and that of the disciple John, because I believe, as many do, that he was a Gentile writing to the world. He has in this universal language that the gospel is not just for the Jews, but it's for all mankind. And so he's writing this detailed account. So those are things that are important because when we kind of understand the mind of the author and we get into that mind and we put things in proper context, again, we could always understand things more clearly. And it's a lot more effective in the way that we understand things as well as well as we, we uh, how we live it out. So real quickly, before I end this podcast, let's break down a few of these phrases that Luke uses that are so rich and so powerful. Notice he says here in Luke chapter 1, he says that many people have undertaken. I believe this phrase, again, carries the idea of compiling or organizing in a series. I believe that when Luke was saying this, there had already been material circulated on the accounts of Jesus Christ. I believe he was referring to Mark. And even, as I mentioned earlier, possibly Matthew himself. But notice he also uses the word narrative in the context of Scripture. This is going back to uh, Luke using a choice word. Because what he was saying was that there's not just talks about Jesus. And who and some um, you know narrative that people were putting in con- to, to their livelihood of stories that were told like the like playing the game telephone. Hey, there's been circulated things about Jesus, or there's been certain stories about Jesus, and maybe you've heard about these things. And you know, did you hear what Uncle Bob said about Jesus? No. When he's saying narrative, he says there have been people who have compiled a systematic approach that lays out very choicely and very effectively and very historically accurate and in a historically accurate way of, of of the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. And so because of that, Luke is very aware of the information that we have about Jesus Christ. Because notice in verse three, he says, now it seemed good also for me to what? To give an orderly account. That word orderly is one after the other, meaning I'm not just going to tell you a little bit of things that are kind of choppy, they don't really make sense, um, they're out of context, so they don't really flow well. No, he says, it was important that I take what I know about Jesus, certainly in the investigative work that I have done, maybe because he said carefully and closely of taking these things into account, to offer an orderly, to write down an orderly 
a series of events, a sequential series of events put in the proper order to give you proper perspective to this individual named uh, Theophilus. He calls the most excellent one. Now, it's very clear that Luke's purpose was to offer up a carefully thought out and compelling case of Jesus by arranging these historical events that occur in the life of Jesus Christ. The Lexham Bible Dictionary puts it this way, quote, the author of Luke and Acts composed historical works that he intended for his recipients to understand as credible and persuasive accounts, end quote. Now, Luke not just addresses these things, but now when you examine these claims, remember, you know, innocent until proven guilty, he can say that he offered these orderly accounts. The question now is, did he? Now, according to ancient historian Paul Barnett, he looked at the life and teachings of Jesus Christ very closely. And he says that Luke had extensive interactions with the Apostle Paul. We saw that in many of the writings of Paul. Paul mentioned him. He was a beloved physician. He had a personal relationship with the Apostle Paul. But not only that, but notice, remember, there's another individual. I told you this earlier. We're going to get to this. There's another individual that was mentioned in context with Luke and Paul, and that was who? The cousin of Barnabas, Mark himself. And he was the first gospel that was written. And where did Mark get his account? He got it from Peter. Where did Paul get his account from when he was writing all of these things in the epistles? He got them from Peter. Peter, we know, was in the inner circle. Luke was interacting with Paul. And Mark, who both got their credible sources from one of the closest disciples of Jesus, Peter himself. Not to mention that Luke had considerable opportunity to speak with Peter himself. You take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. When Luke alone is with me, remember he says, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful for me in the ministry. Think about the conversations that these individuals had. And first Peter chapter five, verse 13, again, Peter mentions Mark. He says, uh, he's my son. This, you know, just like Paul shared, uh, to Timothy that I'm like your father, spiritual father, you're the son, your son in, in, in the faith. So these men not only had interactions, but they're very, very close. So when you compare Mark and Luke together, Mark being the first gospel and knowing that Matthew, um, took the took took Mark as the lead and what he offered writing to um, his audience of Jews and then you see Luke coming into effect uh, shortly after Mark was already circulating about 60% of Mark and Mark's a very small gospel Luke clearly is a lot larger and bigger but about 60% of Mark is found in the gospel of Luke now there's clearly other sources. This is when you get into these debates about the Q or the M or the L. A lot of scholars start, um, uh, you know, really um, speculating and arguing that there are other sources that Mark and Matthew and particularly Luke, remember the Synoptic Gospels, because a lot of them are kind of piggybacking off of each other and 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 really not copying because they're just make you know saying one made it up and the other one just copies the made up story. It's not saying that at all. They're very complementary. And making sure that they're not contradicting one another. But there are some things, there's leeway that all three different authors uh, take. You know, certainly we see that with Luke comparative, and comparative to Mark and, and, and Matthew. 
But it's kind of hard to to get into this whole Q discussion that there's these outside sources that we don't really know much about, but they, that they did exist. Now, I'm not saying that it's impossible that other sources existed that were not inspired, that put, were put in Scripture and canonized. But it's hard to say if these sources existed, what type of substantial claims and, and accuracies did they have in the life and teachings of Jesus that these individuals who had close relationships and were closely in proximity to Jesus and people that were in his inner circle, like Peter, were able to have that got the same kind of information that Luke did. I don't know. But the point being is certainly Luke did his investigative work. And through his interviews of people like Mark and people like Peter and people like Paul, he was able to come up with an orderly account of what happened to this individual Theophilus. Now, I mentioned to you the ancient historian Paul Barnett, who examined the brilliant uh, display of scholarly work by Luke, another individual by the name of Dr. William Ramsey. Do you realize that he spent over 20 years of research in the area of Luke himself and the things that he wrote? So that's Luke, the gospel, and the book of Acts. His conclusion, Dr. Ramsey's conclusion, was that in referencing these 32 countries— that Luke and his sources mentions, and, and over 50 different cities, and I think it was somewhere upwards of nine different islands. He says, Luke, and when you factor in all the leaders and the time frame in which he was working on and the geography, he says Luke made no mistakes. Everything that he was able, he went and researched to make sure that the claims that Luke makes historically, geographically, added up, and they certainly did. That is a record to be envied, he said, by all historians of any era. Luke did, in fact, according to Dr. Ramsey, who studied this for over uh, 20 years, made an orderly account that was written to this guy, Theophilus. And and thankfully, uh, we have these accounts uh, to this this very day. Now, another thing I want to mention as we wrap up here on Stand Strong in the Word about this introduction to the Gospel of Luke is there's other opening remarks that were given by certain books. For example, also in the book of Acts, notice the words that Luke puts together to Theophilus again. He says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And then he says in verse 2, Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, And then he continues now to give him the new accounts that have taken place since the ascension of Jesus Christ. Remember John 20, verse 31, it says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have have life in his name. And 2 Peter chapter 1, one of the most famous passages, when Peter took the time to say, Look, I want you guys to understand that our accounts of the life of Jesus Christ were not something that we just concocted. Remember, he said, just like Luke was telling Theophilus, look, I give an orderly account. I've done my investigation. I met with all the eyewitnesses. I myself am an evangelist. That is, 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 and again, by the way, because a lot of people say, oh, well, see, he's biased. He's a bigot because he's a follower of Jesus Christ. Therefore, he just is going to believe these lies. No, many of these people came to believe because of the overwhelming evidence and overwhelming proof that they saw about Jesus Christ. And so Luke is giving those accounts. Peter reminded us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For we did not follow 
cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses. He says, I tasted, I touched, I felt. Remember, John said that. We physically saw this happen, and not just one person who says, well, maybe he was hallucinating, but multiple people that had no rhyme or reason to want to be a follower. They may have eyewitnessed something, but what would take an eyewitness of something so extraordinary to become a follower of what they witnessed? We have them. Peter says, he says, verse 17, for when he received honor and glory from the God, from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And he says in verse 19 of 2 Peter 1, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. He says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. He says, we did not make this up. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, the writer of Hebrews says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. So Luke is not the only one that uses these choice words very carefully about, and very methodically, mind you, talking about an orderly account and this narrative and things that were undertaken. If you look closely in these verses, he did what any objective journalist or investigator or historian would do. And that is, okay, I'm taking what has already been compiled and talked about a certain story. I'm going to examine these narratives, these claims. I'm going to get with eyewitnesses. I'm going to find those people who are closely related to these incidences that can, can bear and cooperate the message. And then what I'm going to do after taking a close examination of these things, I'm going to offer a very detailed orderly account of what occurred. And now the last thing, this guy, Theophilus is a stud. The cool thing about him, he's not mentioned much, but this guy helped people like Luke. He helped fund these projects. I love that because if it wasn't for guys like Theophilus, maybe Luke wouldn't have been able to afford uh, writing Luke in the book of Acts. And as an author, I love that too, because people help fund me to write about things or to do podcasts like this. And so even though we could maybe guesstimate that Theophilus was some kind of uh, wealthy Roman official, uh, beyond that, we don't really know much, but I mean, I would assume he was a believer. And notice he says, concerning the things you have already been taught. So Theophilus knew probably a lot about Jesus and things that happened. But another thing that's cool about Theophilus is he probably heard a lot of things that he wasn't sure were true. And so by helping fund Luke in his efforts to bring out an orderly account of not just the life and teachings of Jesus Christ, but also the early church, provides clarity, puts things in proper context, or can dispel certain things to say, no, that's not true. That was not what happened. This is what happened, and here's the proof. That is cool. And as a Christian, I think that that's the same approach that we need to be taking today. We are not just to take things at face value. Just because someone says something doesn't mean we just believe it. We don't, don't be like that. Take the time like Luke did and like Theophilus did to dig deeper, 
to figure it out. And if you don't know, you're going to find out, you're going to, or I should say, you're going to find someone who does and you're going to try to make sense of it. So let me leave you with this. If you're like a Luke and you love to investigate and you love to dig deeper and you love to give people an account and you love to explain things, continue to do that. Or perhaps maybe you're like a Theophilus where maybe you can fund, maybe you can give, maybe you can support, like help support Stand Strong Ministries and the work that we're doing, not just in this podcast, but me traveling all over this world, trying to reach young people, moms and dads and pastors leading churches, trying to keep them standing strong with a biblical worldview. Whatever the case may be, God desires to use you. And he is using the people that are saying, God, I want your word to impact and affect lives. So let's be people like Theophilus and let's be people like Luke. I'll see you guys next time on Stand Strong in the Word. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the word of God.